Good evening, everyone. I'm broadcasting live, May 6th. Today's quote, today's quote is somewhat curious. And um, not quite how, well, Bika Bodhi's translation, of course, is preferred. But the word isn't quite false. It's um, vipati. No? Vipati is failure, failings, as Bika Bodhi translates it. The vipati in some. Uh, sampati. Vipati and sampati. Vipati means lacking. Apati, uh, some, sampati means uh, means attaining our failings and our our attainment. So the Buddha says says it and it's kind of i wouldn't put too much on this because the context of the quote is that devadatta just left and devadatta of course was the buddha's cousin who um, well he came to the buddha and he said uh, he said oh venerable sir you're getting old so why don't you uh, pass the the Sangha on to me, I'll lead the Sangha. And the Buddha said to him, I wouldn't even hand it over to Sariputta and Moggallana, let alone some insignificant little person like you. Or he said something really mean to him, actually, kind of. Um, because Devadatta is out of control. And so there's only one way it's going to end. In the end, the Buddha has to be firm. It's rare because he's not usually like this, but. With Devadatta, he had to be firm at all times. And so Devadatta got very upset, and he, he tried to scheme uh, up a way to uh, to take control of the Sangha. And so he came to the Buddha later and, and asked him to instate five rules for monks, that they should always live in the forest, uh, that they should only uh, eat vegetarian food, and things that actually were contentious and seemed reasonable, but the Buddha couldn't enforce. And, and he stopped short of forcing monks, even though he praised living in the forest and even obviously eating meat is problematic and there are types of meat that absolutely shouldn't be eaten and that kind of thing. Um, so he refused and Devadatta used that as a grounds to start a schism. He got monks on his side saying, hey, the, the Buddha, you know, clearly he doesn't know what he's doing. But the monks he got on his side were actually new monks. They're monks who didn't know better. So they hadn't studied their mind. They hadn't really learned the intricacies of monastic life. And so they thought his Devadatta's, uh, Devadatta was the more serious, uh, more serious than the Buddha. The Buddha was, seemed to be actually kind of lax and, indulgent 
and so they went with Devadatta. But um, later the Buddha had Sariputta and Moggallana go to see them, and it's kind of funny how it turned out. Uh, this is after this sutta is actually before that, but later on, um, Sariputta and Moggallana went to see Devadatta, and Devadatta said, "Oh, look." Here come the Buddha's two chief disciples, they're joining us as well. And Sariputta and Moggallana didn't say anything. And so, and so Devadatta said, uh, Sariputta and Moggallana, you teach the monks, now I'm tired. And so he pretended to be like the Buddha, where the Buddha would say, you know, you teach, and the Buddha would lie down and listen mindfully. But instead Devadatta lay down and fell asleep. And so... Uh, Sariputta and Moggallana taught the monks the truth and uh, converted them all and they all went back to see the Buddha. They all went back to, to be with the Buddha once they realized what was right and what was wrong. And Devadatta's sort of second in command kicked Devadatta in the chest to wake him up and, and was very angry and said, look, look at what's happened. You, I told you to be careful of these two. And, and you didn't listen, but he kicked him in the chest and it wounded him and that ended up, in, I think, being fatal. That was what killed him in the end. He got sick after that, coughed up blood. But uh, so this quote is somewhere during this whole fiasco when Devadatta has just left. And so the Buddha kind of to introduce the topic, he says it's appropriate from time to time, to talk about one's own failings. Not talk about, but to pachavekita, to consider. Uh, it is good that they be considered, reflected upon. And it's good to reflect upon the failings of others. And and you have to take this with a grain of salt. It's um, you know it's important not to get obsessed with the faults of others because the Buddha has said, of course, Don't worry about. One should not become obsessed with other people's faults. But so here he's cautious. He says, from time to time. It's useful, right? Because if you look at Devadatta as an example, and if you talk about him and think about him, you can say, hmm, that's not how I want to be. That's something that leads to stress and suffering. And he says it's uh, good from time to time to think of your own attainments and the attainments of others. But then he gets on to the meat of the sutta, which is actually more interesting. Um, he says... Uh, well, he says Devadatta is going to hell, right? That's what he says. Wait, where is it? There are these eight by eight. Let me read the English because I'm. Because he was over. No. Because he was overcome and obsessed by eight bad conditions, Devadatta is bound for the plane of misery, bound for hell, and he will remain there for an eon. So they point is to introduce, he's now going to talk about Devadatta's failings, what Devadatta did wrong. And these are interesting because these eight things are uh, a list of things that we have to be not obsessed with, we, we cannot let overcome us. The first is gain. 
some people are obsessed with gain, wanting money, wanting possessions, wanting uh, to get things. And when you get obsessed with that, it overpowers you, it inflames the mind. Uh, overcome by loss when you don't get what you want, when you lose what you what you like. Fame, number three is fame. Some people are obsessed with being famous. People who post YouTube videos there, they can be obsessed with uh, people's, uh, how many subscribers they have or something. We go on Facebook, we're obsessed by how many likes we get. That kind of thing. By disrepute, the opposite of fame. You're obsessed when people have a bad image of you or when uh, you become infamous or when no one knows who you are. By honor, not sure what the context here of honor is. At this sakara, right? Yasta, ayasta, sakara. Sakara is is similar to fame, but it's um, when people support, uh, present you with things like respect and gifts and pray praise and. Um, Honor, yeah, that's where the, where he gets the word honor. Sakara means doing rightly. And people are obsessed with other people, praising them and honoring them, and uh, rewarding them, that kind of thing. Number seven, by evil desires. He was obsessed by evil desires. Devadatta had the most evil of desires. He wanted to kill the Buddha. He wanted to become, he ended up trying to kill the Buddha. He so wanted to be head of the monks, head of the Sangha so badly that he did evil things. He was jealous of the Buddha. He was covetous of the Buddha's position, that kind of thing. And number eight, bad friendship. So Devadatta, um, Devadatta was actually the, the bad friendship himself. He ended up making friends with King Bimbisara's son, who ended up trying, ended up killing his father. Jatasattu came, came, um, was actually able to uh, to kill his father. But association with bad friends means if you're on a bad path, it's uh, not a good idea to find people who have your saint, your own faults, right? We say birds of a feather flock together. Well, that's not always wise. If you have faults, then maybe it's better to associate with people who don't have those faults. They can teach you something. They can remind you. They can challenge you, right? But, but we, we tend the other way, right? We tend to flock towards birds with the same faults. We tend to flock towards, if we, if we are angry sort of person, we tend to find solace in other people who are angry. We don't seem so out of place. If we're around people who are not angry, we feel guilty all the time. 
feel bad. So it's actually easier to be around angry people, which is, of course, the most dangerous thing because you're just going to become more of an angry person. Greed, if you're a greedy person, shouldn't be around other addicts or other greedy people. If you're deluded, if you're full of arrogance and conceit and so on, you should be surrounded by humble people. You should go to seek out humble people to teach you humility. And then he says, it is good for a bhikkhu to overcome these eight things whenever they arise. Overcome. See what the word he uses for overcome. Abibuya. The commentary talks about Abibuya. This is an interesting word. To, uh, I guess it just means overcome. To be above. Commentary says Abhibhavitva Maditva. Yeah. To subjugate. To conquer. One should conquer these. Conquer these things. These are our enemies. Devadatta wasn't the enemy. The Buddha wasn't his enemy. His enemy was the these eight things. his obsession for these eight things I should say because of course gain is not a problem loss is not a problem it's not these things that are the problem except for evil wishes but the real problem is our obsession and this goes actually with even our emotions if you're an angry person that's not the biggest problem the biggest problem is your obsession with it when you let it consume you when you have a desire that's not the biggest problem. The biggest problem is you don't, if you fail to address it, fail to rise above it, to overcome it. When you have drowsiness, when you have distraction, when you have doubt, you have doubt about the Buddha's teaching or the practice. The doubt isn't the biggest problem, but you, you let it get to you. Even these things, they're, they're bad. But they're, they really become bad when you follow them, when you chase them, when you make much of them. And so with these eight things, it's really the, the obsession with them. But Devadatta wasn't able to see them clearly. No, and then he says, why? Why should you not let them consume you? And he says, because... There will be a vigata prelaha, which is a fever, burning. Those taints, distressful and feverish, that might arise in one who has not overcome gain and so on, do not occur in one who has overcome it. So you don't, your mind doesn't become inflamed, distressed, stressed, fatigued, overwhelmed. The asava, these outpourings, the emotions and the defilement, the, those distresses, they don't arise when you've overcome them. And you've come to see them for what they are and discard them as un, un, 
unproductive. For that reason, you should train yourself. Tasmatiha bhikkhuve. Evang sikitabang, it should be trained thus. We will dwell having overcome. Abibuya, abibuya, viharisam. We will dwell having overcome gain and loss and pain and infamy and honor and dishonor and evil desires and evil friends. Papichatang, papamitatang. Evil friendship. So good list, good list. It's almost the eight Lokya Dhamma, but the last two would be happiness and suffering, dukkha and sukha, instead of papichata, papamitata. Anyway, there's our Dhamma for tonight. Don't be like Devadatta. Don't let these things overwhelm you. Any questions? Oh, you uh, can you stay for a second? You, you can go. So we got a couple of questions. First, I want to say here's my, have we have you met the, met these people? Have, you, have I showed you? This is Michael. Let me see. Michael's living here now. Uh, he's my, my he's the steward here for for a while. Just finished his advanced course, so he's done both courses. So we'll have to do an interview with Michael to see what he thinks of the practice. See how it helped him, if it helped him. Uh, and Sunday we're going to Mississauga together. And then um, I have to go to New York. We're going to drive to New York. Do you be able to drive to New York? Would you be able to drive to New York? How is it about crossing the border back and forth? There's no problem, is there? What did they say when you came in? Did they ask you or make they they did make trouble for you? They they, they I wouldn't say trouble. trouble. I had to wait for about an hour. But an hour. I mean, you know, I mentioned your name even, and then I was staying in a monastery. Yeah, they have many questions about that. Like suspicious or just curious? A little of both. Oh, we should talk about it. Um, the, the, you probably should give people letters in the future. Letters of recommendation, and like letters of invitation. How weird. Yeah, they did ask for that. Yeah. Yeah, I think we've, we've had this issue before. I just sent a letter of invitation to someone in Ukraine who wants to come and meditate. So hopefully that works for him. So there's this uh, monk I've been talking about. He wants to go visit Bhikkhu Bodhi, so he wants me to go with him. And he was going to drive there. I said, well, I've got a driver. <laughs> we got a, a Prius, right? It's good, uh, good.
good mileage. So probably he'll pay for gas. But uh, yeah, so that's um, uh, that's a week and a half away, the seventeenth. Sunday we're going to Mississauga for Wesak, Wisaka. Okay. So questions. Larry says, during sitting meditation, can more than one hindrance be recognized concurrently? Huh. Yeah, you won't have them both at once. You can't have aversion and craving concurrently. I mean, it feels like that because over time you say, wow, I was both angry and greedy, but you can't have them both at the exact same moment. So concurrently in the broad sense, sure. But in the absolute sense, no. In the absolute sense, there's one at a time. So whichever one is clear in that moment, just focus on it. It doesn't really matter. I wouldn't worry about which is which. Just whichever one is clear in, in whatever moment, focus on it. You don't have to catch them all. But again, you can't have all of them at once, except for the fact that aversion to something is kind of like desire for it not to be, right? So you could argue that it's actually in that same moment, it's the same thing. You're, you're saying the same thing. You dislike something means you want it to be gone. So it's not quite craving, or it is, some people call that vibhavatanha, desire for non-existence. Sabbe sankara dukkha. Does that hold true only for unenlightened beings? No. No, it does not. They are dukkha. Dukkha is their, their characteristic, means they are unsatisfying. It, it, um, it means they are not good. It's the intrinsic characteristic. It doesn't mean that they are uh, painful or they, they, when they arise, cause one mental suffering or even physical suffering. That's not what dukkha means here. Dukkha means uh, unsatisfying or unable to satisfy. Unable to bring happiness. It means not happiness. Remember, these three characteristics are in opposition of what we think things are. We think things are stable, we think things are satisfying or able to satisfy us or productive of true happiness. And we think things are ours or me or mine. We can control them. So this is just realizing that they're not that. That they're not nicha, that they're not sukha, that they're not atta. That's what these three things mean. They're actually anijas, dukkha, anatta. Can you go back to using the red room? Wow, there's someone who actually liked that red. No, I can't go back to using the red room. We should disliking, disliking. Sadhu means good. Sadhu just means good.
Well, sadhu can, in Hinduism, sadhu uh, is a, or in India, sadhu means a, a, it's a word also for a, a holy person, like a monk or a recluse. So they call us sadhus. They would call me a sadhu. But it literally means, at least in Pali, I don't know in Sanskrit, but in Pali it's just used to mean good. Sadhu, it's an exc exclamation. It means it is good. When something is good, you say sadhu. That thing is sadhu. In Pali, you would say tang uh, sadhu. It is good. You wouldn't say it like that. But then, like sadhu, it was used in the sutta, right? Sadhu bikuve biku upanang labang abibuya abibuya viharaya. It is good if, uh, or it would be good if one were to dwell. Okay. But isn't suffering only mental? No, there's two kinds of suffering. There's physical suffering and mental suffering. But that's, again, not what this means. I don't know. I think there's a lag, so I'm not sure if, you've, if that was after my explanation or before it. But uh, again, that's not what dukkha means here. Dukkha means not happiness or not conducive to happiness, not productive of happiness. Where is Robin? Robin's here. I've just, um, I was doing video questions. I was forcing people, to, trying to get people to come on the hangout, so didn't have any, uh, didn't have any need for someone to read. I think there's a way at some time and then we just stopped. Everything changes. This is what you have to realize. Don't get attached to things as they are. And try to change the format around to shake things up. Anyway, yes, that's all for tonight. Thank you all for tuning in. Tomorrow, oh, another thing is tomorrow at the university, there's, it's called May at Mac. May at Mac, it's the yearly McMaster Open House, and the Peace Studies Department has, uh, has a booth, and they've asked, they've asked some of us to go and talk to new students about the peace studies department and take it as an opportunity to get people to sign up for the peace club as well but uh, it'd be interesting i'll go as a buddhist monk to go and promote the peace studies department i think that'll be good i mean i do believe in it as I'm not sure how you know, obviously i don't studies is not my these kind of studies is not my priority but I want to encourage them and support them. You know, anyone who's talking about peace, studying peace, is just all good in my book. So I'm happy to promote it. Anyway, have a good night, everyone.